0: John Williams themes done by cats. Meow 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 meow. Meow 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 meow. Meow 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 meow. we can do the superman thing. Meow 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 meow. Meow 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 meow. Meow 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 meow. <laughs> or, 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 we see, you
1: Jaws. could do Jaws meow meow. Meow meow. <laughs> <laughs> meow, meow, <laughs> meow 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 back to the band. Hello everybody and welcome to a special movie edition of Back to the Bins. We are starting our run through the list of top comic book movies of all time as voted by you, the listeners. I'm Paul Spitaro and I am joined by Scott How the hell did that movie get on this list, Gardner? <laughs> <laughs>
2: That's a very appropriate age for this episode. Thank you. (laughs) And Dr. Bill
1: Robinson, Doctor of Filmology.
0: Why? Why? Hello, everyone. Yes, I am Doctor of Filmology.
1: So, uh, well, those of you who participated in this will know. (laughs) Those of you who did not, uh, I apologize that you didn't participate because I was trying to reach out to almost everybody that I could think of. And what I did was I sent out the call. I asked for people to send me their list of the top 10 comic book movies of all time in their opinion. And right off the bat I got a lot of inquiries as to what, how do we define a comic book movie. And I repeatedly said, it's however you define it. Whatever you think is a comic book movie is a comic book movie. Whatever logic you want to apply to it, whatever standard you want to apply to it, apply. And there are movies on this list, you know, as we were talking about it, that obviously some people would consider it a comic book movie and others would not. But that's not the criteria. The criteria is the person who gave the, the, the list itself. Uh, I got over 50 responses, and the way I tallied it up was uh, if it was number one on your list, it got 10 points. Number two, 9 points. Number three, 8 points, and so on and so forth down to number 10. If there was a tie if there were two movies tied for number nine then each one would get 1.5 points so that's that's how the 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 tallying went and uh with with over 50 people participating we were we were given exactly and this was not by design it just worked out this way exactly 100 movies on the list uh in the in the initial stages as we go through starting from 100 and working our way up a lot of the movies most of the movies we're on one list and one list alone. They'll have one point, two points, something like that. But eventually, we'll get to the point where a lot of movies got significant votes. you going to say something, doctor?
0: No, uh, you answered my question, and I was like, I, it was how many, roughly how many participants, or exactly how many do we have? And I'm going go to go over the list. i
1: I'm going to go over the list because I want to thank everybody who did give it, give me a list. The li- the people who provided lists for this particular uh, series of programs because it's going to take us several episodes to get through it in the order that i received their movie lists michael bailey scott rife the arthur <laughs> thank you Sorry. michael bailey scott rifen arthur ratnick jason sandberg kirk greenfield mike zumo jason wood alan middleton dave pascarella ryan daly charlie nehemiah chris tyler lee busby andrew layland russell bragg Derek william Crab, kim sedano al sedano Mark Kallenbach, Kyle Benning, John Wilson, Teresa Pascarella, Blaine Dowler, Melissa Spitaro, Paul Spitaro, Shag Matthews, Gene Hendricks, Michael Siderlo, Michael Paul Leyland, Derek Coward, Scott Shearer, Chris Franklin, Brian Hughes, Ian Levenstein, Zaki Hassan, Matt Hunsworth, Jason Giaconetti, Jim Dietz, Chris Keith, David Price, Scott Gardner, Jan Roman Pacula, I hope I pronounced that right. Tom Panaris, Luke Jacanetti, Blake PT Jonathan Kreitz, Dario Gonzalez, Ruth Sutherland, Darren Sutherland, Dave Atterbury, Paul Smith, Bill Robinson, and Chris Warden. Bill Robinson barely got in under the wire. Second to last list submitted. Shame, Doctor Bill, part of
0: the show when it takes you that long. Frickin I second. was. I had a lot of thought to put into it.
1: <laughs> well, the interesting thing about this, and as we go through it, I think, for, to some extent, I think you have to take the overall rankings with a grain of salt. Because almost everybody expressed, in one way or another, that this is my list now. If I had to do the list two days from now, it might be different. It might be in a different order, and it might contain some different movies. I think, ultimately, when you have that many people participating, the movies probably would be mostly the same, but the order might vary slightly. So, you know, but I think I I appreciate the thought that all those people gave into this. And, and, uh, you know, it it was it was for some people, I think it was a lot to ask because they really just agonized over it. And other people had no problem. They just threw it right out to me.
0: Yeah, I tried to at first, but then I just went with the criteria that like if if I was going through a channel and this movie was on there, no matter what point it was at, I would stop and I would watch the rest of the movie. That way, and then I just went through certain ones that I've done that with in the past, and that's where I, that's how I compiled my list.
1: And I, and I, I, you know, we talk about like how do you define a movie as a comic book movie, and it's a very subjective thing. And I got to say, like one of the movies that didn't make my list and isn't on the list at all, nobody submitted it, that in my mind is still a comic book movie, even though it doesn't come from a comic book, is The Incredibles. Because I think it was incredible. Yeah. It was not to be. No, you know, not not meaning to make a pun, but it was incredibly, uh, you know, uh, oh, well, listen, I'm just losing the words. It was pretty much just a comic book come to life. I mean, it really was mm-hmm. the Fantastic Four. So I, I don't think, you know, it was in, most of the inspiration came from comic books, even though there wasn't a comic book of it beforehand. So in my mind, that is a comic book movie. It didn't make the list because probably some people had that criteria and said, well, it wasn't in a comic book, so I'm not going to vote for it. And I myself had ten movies that I ranked higher than it.
0: <laughs>
1: ten movies, when you consider the mo- the comic movie landscape, is not that many. Anyway, any any uh, more comments before we jump into the movies themselves?
0: Uh, no, we can. When we get to the first one, we'll we'll mention the the number the three numbers you have for each one, which I'm sure you're going to go over that too, right? Well, as I tabulated them, and I did
1: it in the manner that I said, uh, I made a list that the three of us each have, and it basically counts them down from 100 down to one. Mm -hmm. And there are three numbers attached to each. The first number is the total number of points that the movie received, and that's the order they're in. The second number is how how many people voted on this particular movie. And the third is... If any, how many first place votes it got? So until we get to ones that actually get third, first place votes, I don't even think it's worth hitting on that third column.
0: Wow. If, so, if the okay. number
1: is if the number is zero, I don't think we need to mention it. So and what was the third column again? The number of times that a movie that uh, the number of ballots where it was the number one movie.
0: Oh, okay. And so we get to eighty-seven. I was the only person that voted for eighty-seven. Jeez.
1: Okay. Well, we'll get to that today. Yeah. <laughs> well, you know, there's... I mean, the in the first... The movies we're going to cover today, because we figure we're going to cover 25 of them today, only mm-hmm. only one of them received more than one vote. So we these are the peripheral ones. These are the ones that only one person voted for, for the
2: most part. And number 100 on the list. Coming hey, in at number wait, 100. Wait, wait, wait. You said the middle the set, the middle column is who how many people voted for it yes oh, i'm seeing several of number 80 number 81 i've seen several where were more than 80, one 81 person.
1: is 81 is one person
2: yeah the the, the column, column shifted, shifted. Oh, okay i yeah. see it. i see it. get your number number 80 is spitaro number 80 is
1: two people just cuz you have a computer that was made in 1960 doesn't mean that <laughs> i
2: made
0: a mistake no, this this spit it up in Word. When I looked at it on my phone in the other dock, they were all in the right column. I think it's just something Word did to it.
2: Oh, okay. I Yo, what it. up,
0: Word? You messed it up. Word to your mother. Word to your columns. All
1: right, so the number 100 movie on our list, well, it's actually tied. There
0: are, what is it? Are we going to do like an intro for each one? One, two, we three, like...
1: four, five, six, seven, eight movies that are tied for, uh, I guess they're all tied for 93rd place. Because uh, they all have one point. One person voted for each of these, and they and they were number ten on each person's list. So
0: number one hundred.
1: So number one hundred on that list is Constantine. Have, have anybody has anybody in the room seen Constantine? Yes, I, I've seen Constantine with Keanu Reeves. Yep, I
0: saw
1: it. And are you are you familiar with the source material on that? Nope. All right, so <laughs> so we're, probably we're be, why. We're going to go get Andy Leyland in here to talk about it. So Constantine came out in 2005. And it stars, as you said, Keanu Reeves and uh, Rachel Wise. Shia Shia LaBeouf, who's everybody's favorite.
0: Oh, yeah. He gets killed in it. (laughs) Yay! Spoilers! I guess we have spoilers for these movies, too. It's got Tilda Swanson in it, too. She plays an angel. A... A, uh... Androgynous, I guess would be the word. Swinton. What did I say, Swanson? May I was thinking of the the meals. Androgynous? Yeah, I went to high school
2: with her. (laughs) Did you date her? (laughs) No, I did not. (laughs) Androgynous, nice one.
1: My my recollection of of Keanu, of Constantine, was it was not particularly well received by critics and comic book fans. And again, this this is And that's a
0: pretty it, it, I it had some interesting concepts in it. I, I, I think we're going to be making that comment um, about a number of, it's of it's interesting movies on the list though. <laughs> yeah. Well,
1: you know, and part of this and we were talking about it before we started to record, uh this is nothing that we say is meant to disparage anybody else's opinion. I I truly believe you know, how we view art is a very, very subjective, subjective thing, and movies by definition are a form of art. That
2: that wasn't meant to be a disparaging remark. God knows that just about every movie that I hold near and dear to my heart, some asshole critic has ripped it to shreds, so I didn't mean it that way. I'm just, no, no, I meant, I meant I'm my I'm saying, when it comes to comic book movies, that seems to kind of typically be the way that you can describe them up to about, you know, the time that Iron Man came out, you know, it seems like it was typically defined as, well, you know, critics, critics were torn and, uh, you know, comic book fans were not pleased. That seems, you know, that's why we're loving what's coming out, you know, currently. So yeah, I didn't mean that as a uh, disparaging remark. I was actually but commenting
1: you're... on my own comment where I said that the critics and comic fans didn't seem to, uh, oh. to to take it too seriously. I wasn't. I didn't mean that as a criticism of your comment.
2: Uh, no, but yeah. but I, I mean, I'm agreeing with you though. I just I think that that particular thing is going to come up with with a good number of what's on the list, unfortunately, or or fortunately, depending on you know, how you feel about the particular movie, I guess. Right. Did you ever see this one, Scott? I did not. And I, I didn't see this for a number of reasons. Probably the number one reason, uh, Keanu Reeves, um, the, a big number two reason, although it's honestly, it's, you know, it's kind of silly is that I am really familiar with the source material because I'm a huge fan of swamp thing. Um, and, this was a character that spun out of Alan Moore's run on on Swamp Thing. And so I felt like I, I really did know the character and was very familiar with that character. And I I guess kind of a fan in a, in a funny kind of way because I, I didn't follow him when he went off into his own series that became uh, the Hellblazer series and Vertigo Comics and all that. But I liked him and the role that, you know, the function that he served in the swamp thing series at least in the beginning when, when it was Moore's character. Um, but then he kind of, you know, spun out into his own thing. And at, at that point he kind of lost me cause it, it, just went into areas I, I wasn't really interested in. So just the fact that they cast Keanu Reeves to play that character, it, it was just so miscast in my opinion because the character himself is based on Sting, and come on, Keanu Reeves Sting—that there's no, there's Whoa. no common denominators there whatsoever. So yeah, this was one I was happy to skip. But you know, in looking at the credits here, um, one thing does intrigue me, and now makes me kind of curious to check the movie out. And that is, according to Wikipedia, here is what I'm looking at. It says the music is by Brian Tyler and Klaus Badelt. Klaus Bedelt's very hit and miss with me, but Brian Tyler might sound familiar to uh, some of you guys because he's been doing some fantastic work for the Marvel Cinematic Universe right now. He did, um, I I think most recently, he did Avengers Age of Ultron, which is a damn good score. And so I'm a big fan of of Brian Tyler, so this makes me curious to check the movie out just to see what the music sounds like.
0: Well, there's a lot of the visuals in in that film are are very, um, they're pretty out there um like one scene well now if you haven't seen it i can't really let's just say someone tries to take constantine somewhere and something makes his body so heavy like as this person's pulling him across the ground he's starting to like crack pavement and and his body's just so heavy until it can't be moved it would it it it, it was a pretty stunning visual Hmm. that's all i'll say
1: Right. You know, the, the most common criticism I heard, and again, I've never seen this movie, was exactly what you mentioned, Scott, about that they just kind of varied a little too far off the source material, and that's the, the obviously the criticism coming from the comic fans, uh, as opposed to the just general movie critics as large at large. On uh, IMDb, it was it was given six point nine stars out of ten, which doesn't sound terrible to me. So I. I my guess is, if I sat down to watch it, I would think eh, it wasn't a right watch.
0: Yeah, I I think I caught it on FX or Sci-Fi when when I had regular cable. So yeah, it was it was all right. Who
2: is Rachel Wise? That name sounds familiar. She
0: was in Titanic. She no no was she, was she not in, Titanic? in Titanic? She was in the Mummy.
2: Wait a minute. Oh Who was in Ti- okay, she was the Wicked Witch. In That's right. Yeah Oz- yeah. Powerful. Okay. Yeah, I knew she sounded familiar. Okay. Yeah, I know
1: Titanic is uh, Kate
0: uh, Winslet. Kate Winslet. Yeah. Sorry. Yeah. All
1: right. So the next movie on our list, moving moving right along, is Daredevil: The Director's Cut. Also with one one vote at number ten on somebody's list, so it gets one point. Uh, I that this one I've seen. I I don't know if I've seen
0: the director's cut or not.
1: Well, I've seen it in both forms. And when I had, you know, I had first seen the, uh, the theatrical version, and I was not nearly as bothered by it as the critics seem to be. Uh, you know, it was the one very silly scene in the playground with him and Electra kind of doing a ballet fight thing, whatever you want to call it, uh, that, that really just did not work. And they did vary off, you know, Bullseye was very different from what he is in the comics, but... I thought it was a pretty enjoyable movie and I thought the criticism of it was way overblown. And the director's cut I thought, you know, brought it up a, a, a notch, but I didn't think it was so bad to begin with. So, you know, I'm, i was okay with it. I don't know I don't know what you guys thought.
0: Yeah, I don't no beef with with really the original. I mean, yeah, I mean I guess that the playground scenes a little silly, but I did, I still didn't have any major problems with it. I, I liked a lot of again I liked the visuals in that the way they showed his uh his 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 radar sense um in in the show. You I know, mean the movie. You
1: know, the, the other this this is one example where I could tell you, you know, a lot of people complain and uh you know, there's times where I have to where, where they vary off the racial type in a movie. You know, I, I was not crazy when they did it with Johnny Storm in the most recent Fantastic Four movie. But Michael Clark Duncan as the kingpin, I thought was a bullseye. No, no, no pun intended. Uh, I, th- I th- oh he, yeah, yeah. He fit the role of the kingpin exactly how I pictured it. He was huge. He was intimidating. Uh, you know, he he just he just had that gravitas to him. So, there, you know, and anybody who just says, oh, you know, you you just you know, it's a, it's a racist thing to say. I don't want to change it. Here's an example of one where I certainly, not only did I not have a problem with it, I thought the casting was excellent. So, you know, for what that's worth. And I'm, I'm not sure what it's worth, to be honest with you. Uh, I wasn't thrilled with David Pantaleano as Ben Yurick in it. I thought he was a little miscast. Really? You didn't see him as, like, street reporter? No, I always saw Ben Yurick as a little older. Hmm. A little more, a little bit more like street weary. You know, he was wearing the tam backwards. I don't know; it just didn't look right to me.
0: More like, more like the one that was uh, the guy that was cast in the. See, I thought the guy in the Daredevil series on Netflix was maybe a little too old. No, see, I thought he fit. I thought he
1: fit. He had that world weary look about him, but like, you know, incredibly perceptive. You know, mm. he he saw things and, and he would be able to pick up exactly what was going on, which ultimately led to his demise in that series. Spoilers. Uh, mm. But I thought he was better cast, much better cast in that TV series than he was in the movie. But again, I had no problems with this movie. I enjoyed it. Who did John Favreau play in this? Uh, Foggy Nelson. Did he? Yep.
2: I did not know that. He's Foggy okay.
1: Nelson and Happy Hogan. <laughs>
2: Yeah, I, I didn't see this one for a good number of reasons, and I, I'm still not interested in, in seeing it.
1: It's not, I, in in my opinion, I mean, obviously somebody put it on their list and they enjoyed it very much. In my opinion, it, it isn't like, a, oh my god, you have to go out and see this one. But I enjoyed it. I, I didn't really have any serious problems with it. You know, like I said, people. I thought the criticism of it was way overblown. Much much like the criticism, in my opinion, of Spider-Man 3 and X, X-Men 3. I think the, the criticism has gone over the top, on right. these movies, and I think this this one fits into that list. You know, there's some movies where I think the criticism is is valid. You know, Catwoman, Steel, Ghost Rider, and I'm happy to say none of those made anybody's list, so I don't have to worry about insulting anybody by saying that I don't like those movies. So it was my number
0: eleven, man.
1: <laughs> well, they they didn't send it to me then. So, moving right along again, next movie on our list is our first animated feature, Justice League New Frontier. I thought this never, was really cool. Never seen it. You see it, Scott? Yeah. I know you're not a huge fan of that particular comic series. Did you think differently of the, uh, of the animated film, or... You kind of falls I, in the same spot. Same place yeah, it
2: pretty much falls in the same spot. I I watched the movie hoping that maybe it would give me some insight into the comic, or or maybe that it would salvage the comic somewhat for me or something. And it it pretty much pretty much served the same function as the comic. I I, I enjoyed it for for the aesthetic. But I'm still a little lost, um, both with the movie and the comic, as to why New Frontier is, is such a such a thing with with fans. And I mean, it really has its rabid fans. Um, but somehow, it just it, it never really connected with me. I'm just I'm I've always been a little bit baffled by it, to be honest with you. But um, good score. I really enjoyed the score. And again, you know, the, they really captured the, the aesthetic of the time period, and I thought that was really cool
1: and to me that is, that is really the strength of the movie and, and I agree with you, good score uh, I don't have the deep connection to it that some people do I mean some people you know, absolutely love this and obviously again it made somebody's list um, but I do really enjoy when I've watched it I really enjoy the, the feeling of nostalgia that it creates for a time period that I wasn't <laughs> born in you know it's got that period piece feel to it and in a cartoon I kind of just like that a lot Um, And I I like the old time way that the characters are drawn in it, Uh, you know, the animation style I thought really did a nice job of picking up the Darwin Cook character models and working with them. Uh, Just overall, you know, just almost a feel of like bringing you back to a simpler time. And, And I really enjoyed that, and for that reason I enjoyed the movie. I don't think this, there's not too many movies on this that I can say I saw it and don't like it. Uh, there's, there's a number that I've never seen. And we'll hit on those as we go along. But this one I saw and I have enjoyed it. I thought it was a good movie. But not a hell of a lot more to add having being the only one who, uh, who had any kind of connection with it at all. <laughs> uh, next movie on our list is, uh, is an old uh, serial, Spy Smasher. Which I can honestly say I've never seen. I that's from
0: 1942.
1: I believe that is correct.
2: I'm trying to. I have seen, I have have seen seen this, but I, I couldn't, I couldn't tell you anything about it now because, when I was working in video, I think I was working for Saturday Matinee. Um, we got a bunch of them in, and I watched a whole slew of them, and I know Spy Smasher was one of them. Um, what's funny was. When I was looking over this list, as soon as I saw Spy Smasher here, I immediately started looking for The Adventures of Captain Marvel, which is, you know, regarded by most aficionados of Saturday matinee serials, myself included, as the you know the best one. And funny, you know, that one's not on the list, but Spy Smasher is. Um, My lasting memory of Spy Smasher, funnily enough, is uh, is actually. There's a movie uh, made by Firesign Theater called J Men Forever, which is a comedy that takes footage from all those old serials like Spy Smasher and Captain Marvel and Captain America and a whole bunch of different ones and uses pieces of them and puts them all together and redubs them into a semi coherent film. And it's just. I mean, it's laugh out loud hysterical, and they rename all of the characters. And my my two favorite renames are: you've got Spy Smasher; they call him Spice Water, which I just thought was, you know, it's clever. And then Captain Marvel is the Caped Madman. And they they between the two of them, they have the funniest scenes in the movie, I think. So. Whoever uh, voted for this one, uh, if you haven't already seen J-Men Forever, seek that out. You'll probably get a big kick out of it. But that's about it. I really don't remember anything about it other than I think this was one of the better serials that I had seen. A lot of them just kind of blend together because they there wasn't a lot to differentiate them. They, they all kind of used like the same gags and the same cliffhangers uh, style and even sometimes the same cliffhangers um but the the couple that i remember being you know the exceptional ones were of course captain marvel um spy smasher and um there was another one i'm completely blanking on the name of it now that was uh it was more of like an indiana jones type of thing but i cannot remember what the name of it was now um and then after that all the other ones just kind of seemed to more or less blend together but yeah, I thought this was an interesting choice on the list. I absolutely
1: agree with that aspect of it, that it's an interesting choice. and It, it, it makes me curious to maybe seek it out at some point. And I looked on IMDb, and there's a one paragraph review of it that I think uh, is worth reading. This is the finest serial ever made. Kane Richmond hmm. plays twin brothers battling Nazi agents in America with expert casting, stunt work, and direction. This is Republic's finest hour in Cliffhangers the serial never drags and the camera work and doubling create creating the illusion of twins is peerless that's that's pretty high praise obviously that's one viewer's opinion of it uh, but overall it's got a 7.3 on IMDB which is pretty pretty good and uh, you know it's it certainly sounds like something that I'd be curious to see
2: well, the, the, I think the thing that differentiates this and Captain Marvel as as the two best is that with Captain Marvel, obviously, you have the superhero element. So whenever, uh, you know, Billy or somebody gets into a situation, you know, he's going to say his magic word, turn into Captain Marvel and resolve the situation. Whereas Spy Smasher, while he is a, a uh, you know, a, a mystery man, a, you know, a, a, a superhero sort of you know in the fact that he's a masked caped wearing uh figure you know he he doesn't have any superpowers to rely on so in that aspect he he's more like uh somewhere between like say like uh batman and like the rocketeer without his rocket or something like that if if you know what i mean so it was it was more of just a straight up spy thriller type of thing you know solving problems with you know with his wits and with his guns type of thing as opposed to with any superpowers at all so you're kind of getting the best of both worlds between the two of those serials and i think that's why they kind of bounce back and forth um you know being ranked as the highest ones i always give the nod to captain marvel myself because you know i I just I, i like that character and i like the the super-powered aspect of it. But Spy Smasher, again, as I recall, was a pretty good one, too. Okay. So we move from one
1: that I haven't seen to one I've seen probably, oh, I don't know, 150 times? (laughs) Superman versus the Mole Men. Also gets one vote, but I have a fondness for the George Reeves Superman series, and this is what kicked it off. Yep. And... I've seen this as well. Yep. In rewatching this one, there are not that many moments of real superpowers exhibited by Superman in it. Uh, it's it's more more of a uh, you
2: know like a tense character study.
0: That's what the little guys those. in the furry suits crawling out of the hole in the ground.
2: Yeah, with they the, look like Munchkins.
0: Yeah, with the big and they've got they look like, like Ewoks with no head, you know with like human heads. Yeah, what, what's and, am, what's and,
1: amazing about it is. It's in black and white. It's always been in black and white, and yet you know everybody would swear, okay, these are little green men. Right. <laughs> but where do you get the, where are you getting the green from? Because it's in black and white. Don't they have like laser weapons too? <laughs> they do they have a laser weapons. Yeah. They, they, yeah. Uh, Superman ends up having to save the chief bigot from uh, from them because they they use it on him after he shoots one of their uh, one of their kind. And, uh, I remember the first
0: time I went to watch this movie. Um, it was years ago, and it was on TV like a Saturday afternoon. Like, it was a matinee thing, and it said, it said like, the first one that was going to be on was called The Mole Man, and then they had Superman versus The Mole Man. And I came in for Superman versus The Mole Man, and I started watching it. I'm like, uh, where's Superman? Well, what it, I don't get it. What I was actually watching, I had never seen up until that time, was was war of the worlds (laughs) and i was so confused i was like "Where's superman (laughs) this doesn't make any sense it's like this thing's coming up out of the ground oh my god they just fried them three dudes that were walking towards it oh my god you know so yeah and then years later i actually saw oh okay this is you know but yeah i was so confused you know well this this was 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 originally
1: shown as a well not originally originally it was a a movie but then it was shown as a two-part uh episode on the uh on the superman tv series called the unknown people and and i've seen it far more far more frequently in that version than i have in the full movie version because that was uh that was really the only version i had available to me until home video and then i would say somewhere in the late 80s they came out with the video version of this
0: Mm.
1: and that's that's when i first saw it in its full form you know, not not cut up quite as much and uh and and all in one, you know. So I appreciate it in both forms, for what it's worth. Alright. So next on our list and here's another one you may have to help me with. I I'm familiar with it that it came out, but I've never seen Lori Petty in Tank Girl. I know that's uh, is that was that an, uh, an underground
2: comic or just an independent? I think it was I... I want to say it was a dark horse. It may it was possibly part of Comics Greatest World. I forget now, but I'm, I'm pretty sure that was a dark horse title. I've
0: never seen the whole thing. I've seen bits and pieces. I know Malcolm McDowell's in it. I think he's uh, not sure. <laughs>
1: the commentary is riveting here. Let me see if I can get us a little information on it other than the fact that
0: well, no, what it's really got funny? it's got through. Threw me off by sent by he, he he posted a picture Superman War of the Worlds. Oh, that's have what you,
2: I <laughs> have you read that? I don't think so. It's actually really good. It it places the original Superman, you know the the action comics number mm-hmm. one era Superman, in the story of the of H. G. Wells War of the Worlds. It's it's actually really good.
0: Actually, that looks like it's
2: that in that
0: cover photo you sent. That kind of looks like the building it gets blown up in World of Worlds I think it's like the Los Angeles City Hall or something mm-hmm. That one, that's right in the center of the photo just under Superman's foot
1: the proper that's expression like... is blowed up
0: <laughs> why would I say did I say blewed up you said blown up blown up instead of blowed up blowed up
1: blown
2: up yeah, okay, Rudy that one fell flat Rudy I'm looking to see if I have any issues of Tank Girl, because if I do, then that means it was part of Comics' Greatest World, and I do not have any, so it must not have been part of Comics' Greatest World. Tank
1: Girl came out in 1995. It starred Lori Petty, Ice-T, Naomi Watts, and Malcolm McDowell. I just wanted to look for what the reviews are on it. Critical Reception. Rotten Tomatoes. Uh... 38% 38% of the reviews were positive. Uh, the website gives the consensus summary, while unconventional Tank Girl isn't particu- particularly clever or engaging, and none of the scripts copious one-liners have any real zing. That's not really a nice thing to say about it. Uh, so it, it didn't get a solid uh, critical review. I don't think it particularly made money, but somebody loves it. And, and honestly, Malcolm McDowell is pretty cool in everything he's in, even, even in uh, Star Trek Generations.
2: Mm-hmm. Yeah, he's one of my favorites. I like him.
1: Ever since, ever since the... Clockwork Orange, I've been a Malcolm McDowell fan.
2: Singing in the rain. Evidently, if I'm, if I'm reading this properly here, um, evidently the Dark Horse thing I was thinking of was a reprinting of the original Tank Girl stuff. So Dark Dark Horse is not where she popped up originally. That That's where I know her from as far as the comic book version of Tank Girl is just the, the Dark Horse stuff. I don't know that I have ever actually read any of it. I just remember having seen it. And for some reason, like, like I say, I thought she was part of Comic's Greatest World, but evidently not. I think it was being published simultaneously, though, if I remember right.
0: Oh, and if anybody couldn't figure out why I was singing, Singing in the Rain go watch clockwork orange you'll never sing singing in the rain the same way again (laughs)
1: that is absolutely for certain so the next movie on the list is another animated feature ultimate avengers
0: 2 i own that as do now have not watched it in a long time (laughs) since i first got it years ago
2: now, this begs the question is Ultimate Avengers on the list? Because on a quick glance, I'm not finding it. No, nobody submitted Ultimate Avengers. So, uh, the one person
1: who did submit an Ultimate Avengers cartoon, saw, I I would guess, sort of superior to Ultimate Avengers. And Ultimate Avengers 2, I thought was pretty good. I, I liked the whole Black Panther story in that. I thought he was pretty well portrayed in it. And, uh,. I thought it was a, a fairly engaging feature. Now I also liked Ultimate Avengers, the first one. Uh, uh-huh. I think I'm trying to remember. It's been a little while since I've watched either, but I think I was a little more fond of this one as well.
2: Really? Yes. Okay. If my memory. Uh, I true. have I have seen them both. Um, really, really good scores. As a matter of fact, uh, up until just very recently, I had those uh, on my phone. Uh, you know the scores for both of them, and was listening to the music uh, as I was reading Avengers. Um, I like them both. I, you know, I, I actually see them as uh, almost like one movie because uh, Avengers, you know, Ultimate Avengers Two pretty much just continues on the story from the first one. Um, but if I had to separate them, I would give the nod to the to the first one. But the second one has some really interesting stuff. Uh, as well because, you know, much like the live-action Avengers films, um, you know, it brings in more characters and everything. So, you know, we get um, new characters with uh, with Ultimate Avengers 2, and uh, we actually we get the death of, uh, of one of the Avengers in that one as well, which is really interesting. So, yeah, it's been a while since I've seen the second one, but I, I remember really liking that one as well. Um, the theme. Uh, for, you know, the the beginning of the movie is just awesome because it's essentially it's the theme from the first one, but it's done with like a jungle motif and it's really, really good. Um, That composer, I'm never sure how to pronounce his name. It's uh, his first name is spelled like guy, but he's probably French. So it's probably Guy. And then his his second name, his last name is, uh, I'm not sure how to pronounce it. It's M-I-C-H-E-L-M-O-R-E. So it's either Michael Moore or Mitchell Moore. I'm not sure. Um, but he's done the vast bulk of the animated Marvel movies, uh, you know. So he did, you know, both the Ultimate Avengers. He did the Doctor Strange movie, the Iron Man animated movie, um, those Hulk direct-to-video movies that you know, Hulk versus Thor and Hulk versus Wolverine. He's he's done a whole slew of them um and in my personal opinion the the two ultimate avengers ones are still his best i I really like his stuff and i think he also did that next avengers one where it was the kid avengers Mm -hmm.
0: i like that one too
2: yeah Yeah, that that was next
0: yeah i think i've got that on actually i've got all three i've got um one and two and then i have the next avengers i have them all on dvd and i also scored the um i don't know if you're looking at the front cover artwork of ultimate avengers 2 I've got that in a poster size, but it was one of the um, – I got it from my L, my LCS. It, it's it's one that you would hang from a ceiling, and it has, like, two holes in it. And it's the same image on each side. So if, like, you walked in the store, you'd see it on one side and you move oh, yeah. go around the other. So I got one of those backs tucked away somewhere in the house. Hmm. So, yeah, it was a good flick. Yeah, and it does pick right up from the end of the other because they're still fighting the ch- – Jitari. And one of the neat things is that Thor's hammer is is kind of not the uh, traditional Thor hammer either. That's, right. that, that, that's in the regular books.
2: Right. Much like the the live-action Avengers films that we're getting now as part of the MCU, the Ultimate Avengers uh, movies were interesting because they're very much an amalgam of Ultimates and some of the traditional uh, Marvel movies. Uh, you know traditional 616 universe stuff although they do tend to lean a little bit more ultimates than say like the live action movies but if you're mm-hmm. fan you know if you're a fan of the mcu and you haven't seen the ultimate avengers movies i'd highly recommend them because you're going to see um you know a lot of stuff that's very familiar but there's uh, also some interesting um you know different takes with the characters and everything but uh, i really liked them and the, the hulk fights and both of the movies are really really good Especially when he beats Hank Pym. Yeah. <laughs>
0: it's,
1: it's, it's, I mean, for a cartoon, it's fairly brutal, actually. Yeah. Next on our list is another one I haven't seen.
0: Uh, oh, but, I've seen but this.
1: It, but it's fairly new. It was in 1973.
0: <laughs> well, if you're old, it was new. Oh, I remember watching this, like, just on, like, another Saturday afternoon thing, just catching it on 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 tv and it it's uh uh well go ahead
1: well the mo- movie, the movie actually... is vault of horror it stars terry thomas dawn adams denholm Elliott, kurt jurgens tom baker michael craig terence alexander glennis johns michael pratt robin nedwell jeffrey davis daniel massey and anna massey so some names in there that are familiar with me and it's a uh, uh which one an anthology uh horror movie
0: yeah, there's a group of people gathered together. I think in a, like a, uh, well, in a vault or like a cellar, and they're all locked in and they're trading stories. The one that I remember the most is Tom Baker's. His story was that he was an artist and he would paint. Um, he would basically kill people by how he would, what he would do to them in the painting, and the way he gets his comeuppance is that. While he's working on uh, he's doing like a self-portrait of himself and the portrait suffers like there's a slash that goes across it across the neck of his self-portrait and he gets beheaded is what I remember of it. And this is a very young Tom Baker just before he would go on to actually play in Doctor Who because I believe he started that in 74. So this was 73. It was just before his uh, his I don't want to say a star would rise, but but uh, you know before he took off on that.
1: Right. Most of the stories in here, with the exception of the framing story and one of the uh, anthology stories, so there's one, two, three, four stories that are direct adaptations of stories from Tales from the Crypt, from the comic books. hmm So certainly a comic book movie, I think, by whatever your definition might be.
2: Do you see this, Scott? No, no, I, I'm not familiar with this. I was looking at the information on it on uh, on Wikipedia, and now uh, this one's not ringing a bell with me.
0: Yeah, I'm trying to remember what Denholm Elliott, which what his story was. Well, it he, says
2: drawn a quarter, he was, but I. Just... He
1: was the uh, he worked at the university with Indiana Jones.
2: Yeah, I was just going <laughs> to say he got lost in his own museum. That <laughs> was the whole. He's story. He's
1: apparently right. in, in the Tom Baker one and plays an art dealer.
0: Oh, okay.
2: He just wanders around in a museum until he starves to death.
1: Yes, that's it. <laughs> so that,
2: that's the final of our one-point movies.
1: Uh, those were each number 10 on, somebody, on one person's list. That's how they got to be the one-pointers. The next one is 1. 1.5, which means it was tied for ninth place on somebody's list. And it's Annie, which, again, everybody gets their own definition as to what is a comic book movie, and this would be from the like from the Sunday Funnies comics, and and the like, and certainly a huge hit. And I would imagine you know somebody who really liked it would have a special fondness for it. Uh, you know, my my biggest memory of Annie is just the song "A Hard Knock Life," and that they tried to remake it last year with uh, what's the name Jamie uh... Jamie Fox. Yeah. I kept thinking Jamie Farr, but it wasn't but it was not Klinger. <laughs>
0: <laughs> <laughs> uh, I always remember the song come out tomorrow. I don't remember Hard Knock Life please, please. for me. Uh, I didn't sing it, I'm just saying. That's the song that's It's the first tough. thing that comes to my mind. I can't remember the name of that little girl either. I don't think I want to. I wanna say Eileen Brennan, but that's not who that is. That was an older actors. Although, I'd rather see Eileen Brennan play Annie than... Never mind. I uh, We're not going to really kill cute movie, so I'm going to be quiet.
2: <laughs> well, I really wish you hadn't made me make that promise that I made. Well, I did it, make it's, it's, that it's, promise. With, with things like this, it's really hard to keep that promise.
1: <laughs> no, I, I, see, I have no problem with it. You know, everybody has their own definition. Everybody has what they love. And I see no problem with what anybody may love.
2: That, no, that's fine. It's just my my two thoughts on this one is for one, I, I just you know, come on, if you're not gonna take the list serious, why'd you write in? And also, I'm gonna I'm <laughs> gonna take the counterpoint to that. I think the person took the list very seriously. To no, be I'm sure. I'm kidding. That was a joke. Um, no, I'll, I'll hold my other comment then because it's 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 mean spirited too. So I won't say it.
1: Yeah, no, I, I I honestly think the person who had this on their list had given it a lot of thought. And this was a movie that was beloved to that person. And I, I have no problem with that. I, I, Again, it's not one of my personal favorites. But this isn't Paul Spataro's or Scott Gardner's or Bill Robinson's <laughs> top
0: ten list. It's an amalgamation.
1: Exactly. And, and, and I was very curious to see what would come up on the list that I agreed with, what would come up on the list that I don't agree with, what c- would come up on the list that surprised me and there's been a lot of all of that and the fact that I don't agree with it doesn't mean it's a bad movie it means it's just not special to me so I mean and Annie was a, a huge hit so I could see somebody having a fondness for it I got no problem sure. at all
2: yeah my sister was a big fan of that well there you go you know what it I mean I think it was
1: just it was just a joke I didn't get a list from your sister but there are some women who gave in lists Right. Some, some girl folks maybe this was on one of their lists or maybe it was some guy who just happens to like Annie
0: anyway it's not somebody, it's not somebody you're currently dating is it Paul
1: it is not no <laughs> she did not give in a list I didn't ask her to give a list she didn't give me one. Oh, okay uh, she's, she, she likes these movies but she wouldn't I don't think she'd be able to compile her top 10 list because I don't think she'd have that kind of have it down to a science that way next is our first two-point movie blade starring wesley snipes and you know here's here's an example of i think a movie that probably would come into a lot of people's lists if we were saying do the top 25 i think you'd see it on a lot of lists but as it is doing a top 10 it made it onto one one list and one list only but Hmm. it's a movie that that in many ways, helped to usher in the 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 wave of comic movies. You know, taking a lesser-known property and making it into a successful movie that was a fairly big hit. And I I enjoyed Blade very much.
0: Yeah, I've yeah I've uh, seen that a few times. I I've had no no big problems with Blade.
2: Have you I seen? Wesley Snipes Blade? Pretty good. I have not. I keep meaning to uh, to check out the Blade movies because I've heard really good things about them. Um, I was a huge Tuma Dracula fan and everything, and uh, I, I don't know what the deal is, other than I just simply haven't made the time to uh, to sit down and watch them. But I need to.
0: To me, I there's think... two people in that movie that make the movie, and that's Donald Logue,
2: mm-hmm. um,
0: which you might recognize him. What would you recognize him Got from? Them. You would, but I'm Scott. <laughs> uh, he was on Sons of Anarchy. Yeah, uh, he was also... Uh, I'm just drawing a blank. And also U- Udo Kier, who always plays a good... He's always a good German character actor. <laughs> he was one of the hierarchy of the, uh, of the vampire clans. Remember okay. him? I uh, don't uh, so, anyway, yeah. Probably the weakest was this the main villain, but yeah.
1: I, again, I, I thought this was a pretty solid movie, and uh, as we go down the list, we're going to see Blade 2, which was I think an even more solid movie. I, it's one, Electric example. Boogaloo? Yes. It's an example of, a, of I think a film where the sequel exceeded the original. Then Blade Trinity kind of brought it back down a little bit, and I think it's another one where I feel it's a little unjustly maligned. It's not, I don't think it hits the level of Blade 2, but I think it's a fairly entertaining movie. Uh, you know, Ryan Reynolds is playing his usual wisecracking guy in it. And it was, you know, I think it's a, a pretty good film series. Next movie is not only a movie I didn't see, but it's a movie I never heard of until I got the list that had it on it. Is either, are either of you familiar with this movie?
2: No, I was just looking at it on uh, on Wikipedia, and uh, I, I don't have a clue on this one. It's a movie Did called
1: this... Blue is the Warmest Color.
2: Did this it come is... from...
1: Well, was this ahead. on
2: an English person's list? Why, because
1: it's got a U in color? Because <laughs> it's... Yeah. <laughs> it's based on a 2010 French graphic novel of the same name. Oh, oh. oh sorry. And it was released in 2013 it's listed as a french coming-of-age romantic drama film written produced and directed by a name i can't pronounce starring a name i can't pronounce film revolves around (coughs) adele a french teenager who discovers desire and freedom when a blue-haired aspiring painter enters her life the film charts their relationship from adele's high school years to her early adult life and career as a school teacher, and it's based on a graphic novel. I can't I can't comment as to the quality. Uh, what I can tell you is, according to Wikipedia, it has a 90% approval rating on Rotten Tomatoes. Ha ha! Wee wee! And if you want any, if you if you want to watch this, you can go to Bill's house and he'll make crepes while you watch it. <laughs> okay. Well, Continuing on a list down to number 89, another movie I haven't seen. It's For, for somebody who does a movie critic show, I haven't seen a lot of movies.
0: <laughs> you you haven't seen Red?
1: I
2: have not seen Red. Ah, Have you seen him, Scott? No, I remember the ads ah. for were really interesting, but no, I have not seen it. Bruce Willis, Helen Murin, John Malkovich, they're all basically
0: retired spies and they they kind of it's, i think from what i remember is everybody's out to get them so they band together like they're all spies from different organizations they even team up with brian cox um who plays like a russian spy uh it's it's good fun it's good fun it's
1: based on a limited series by warren ellis warren ellis and cully hamner by D, from dc comics so I I remember hearing good things about it when it was out, but I did I never got a chance to see it. Is it is it it's lighthearted in its production?
0: Yeah, I well I mean there are there's there's some pretty cool a- action scenes uh, and there's a, you know some twists and turns. I don't want to give too much away. John Malkovich plays a ca- uh, like a crazy character. Imagine that. I just, I just asked if it was lighthearted. I didn't ask you to give anything away. I didn't give anything you away. You
1: just said
0: yes. Please, well, I don't want to give
1: anything away.
0: Yes, Paul, I was
1: lighthearted. Thank you, Bill, for
2: You're that welcome. insight
1: into the movie. I hope I hope it wasn't too much of a spoiler for anybody. Spoiler. Uh, it also has a seventy-two percent approval rating on Rotten Tomatoes. Not quite blue as the warmest colour. Next movie, I think we'll uh, they'll, they'll have some commentary on this. Movie number 88 on our list Swamp
0: Thing. I think we've all seen that, haven't we? Yes, I believe
1: we have.
2: I actually begged, begged, pleaded on bended knee with my parents to take me to the drive in to see it, and they did.
0: You just I wanted to got- see
2: Adrian Barbeau's boobs. <laughs> well, I, this uh, this came out not long after I actually discovered the character. Um, I was gonna say you discovered boobs. Yeah. After I discovered <laughs> boobs. And uh, yeah, I really wanted to see this, and I was not disappointed. I I still, despite. You know, now being able to watch it with adult eyes and see, you know, there's some real cheesiness in it, and you know the production values are very low and everything. uh, I still have an incredible fondness for this movie. Um, You know, it it takes great liberties with the source materials, but not so great that it's that it's not uh, recognizable. That it's trying to also honor the source material as much as it can on the budget that it had. Uh, it has a lot of good stuff working for it. I mean, it, it's, uh, you know, the, the acting, I think, is really, you know, pretty good in it. The special effects, such as they are, are pretty good. Swamp Thing himself looks pretty good, despite it being, you know, just essentially a guy in a rubber suit, you know, a rubber mask and everything. Uh, has a really good soundtrack. Uh, the, I'm drawing a blank on the composer's name at the moment. I want to say something Manfredy or something like that. And um, what's his name, the director? um, God, my brain is just not firing. Directed by Wes Uh Craven. Wes Craven, yeah, Wes Craven. And the music is by Henry Manfredini. Manfred, yeah, that's it, thank you. Um, I love the score to this. Uh, This was one of those movies, uh, and you guys probably did this when you were a kid, but I had a whole string of movies where I had recorded them with an audio cassette recorder. And I had recorded this movie either at the drive in or when it was on like HBO or something. And I listened to it so many freaking times that I just like memorized the movie and I loved the soundtrack to it. So when I finally got an opportunity to actually get the soundtrack, I was thrilled. Uh, yeah, I, I, I have a real soft spot for this movie. And, you know, when I think of all the different comic book movies that are out there and what I consider to be a comic book movie, I, I think this placement is pretty good I'm glad that it you know it made the top 100 because if if this were my personal list of the top 100 it would probably make the list and it would probably be right about where it's ranked right here so yeah I, I, I will agree with that one I, it's just it's a fun little movie and it's made that much better if for one you're familiar with the original uh, Bernie Wrightson um, who was the other guy Len Wein I think was the other it was the writer uh, you know, the original Swamp Thing books, because it's very much adapting, you know, the first couple of issues of, of the original Swamp Thing. <clears throat> Pardon me. And um, and then if you're just familiar with your character actors, because I forget the name of the guy, the the actor that plays uh, Alec Holland, you know, the Swamp Thing before he becomes Swamp Thing. Isn't it Ray <clears throat> Yeah, that's the same guy that's one of Clarence Bodiger's henchmen yes. in RoboCop. He's the guy that gets blown up in the tower after he drops all that shit on RoboCop. And he yeah, goes, I he's... thought of Clarence, I got him, and then he gets blown up. It's that guy. He's yeah. a good-looking guy. Yeah, he's the one that gets dragged by his hair through the bar when, when RoboCop comes <laughs> in the bar. He uh-huh. drags hair near the head. Yeah, that's him, too. I love that guy. He's been in a lot of stuff. Oh yeah, he's yeah. But it, this is one of the few times I can remember him playing a good guy. Most of the time, he's a heavy. But in this one, he was he was Alec uh, Alec Holland, the scientist, before he gets blown up and becomes Swamp Thing.
0: Blowed up real good.
2: Yep, it's good. And uh and uh the 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 guy that plays um, Arcane. Oh. Uh, Louis, uh, Louis Jordan. God. Louis Jardin, yeah, he's great in this as just a scene chewing. Ve- he's, he's very uh, Ricardo Montalban like, you know, in you know, or he's trying to be anyway. You know what I mean? It, it doesn't quite come off on that like level of, of con or anything, but it's so similar. You know, he's just, he he's what. He reminds me of what Steven Spielberg described the dynamic between Indiana Jones and Belloc. You know, where Indiana Jones was the beer-swigging hero and uh, Belloc was the champagne villain. Arcane in this is very much the champagne villain, and uh, he's he's really good. I like him in that role. Well, Yeah, that's, what's, that's a fun little movie.
0: Well, what's cool about that movie is like the whole thing with the uh, with the serum that he develops. One of the things they say is like it it augments the personality right so so Alex becomes this you know heroic swamp creature and then they give it to the one flunky guy who's been a character actor in a, a, other things right. and he be, and he goes from this massive muscle bound guy to basically a, a a little person
2: a little pig man yeah
0: yeah and then when Louis Jourdan takes it he becomes such he becomes just a just an evil animal just right. a pure evil and it's so it's uh, yeah it's really really good yeah it's yeah. really
1: good the only area where it really kind of falls short on that is the makeup quality but i think it's easy enough to overlook especially when you think that it's you
2: know oh but when,
1: when don's going through the
0: when he's going through the transformation and he's got that that stuff starts growing over his eyes and then it's bleeding out his eyes and he like falls over over the camera and he's just going
1: oh
2: and right. It, it, it that was, just, that was like you when I face. when I
1: threw out the th- the full bottle of Mountain Dew. <laughs>
2: oh.
0: <laughs> yeah. I, this is a good good a good movie to have have I, I'm glad it's on the list. Me too.
1: Next movie on the list I think you also might be glad with is The Shadow.
0: Yes, because it was my number 9 on my list. Oh, you you're the person I am the person who voted for The Shadow. See, I, I have
1: the list of who voted for what, but I'm not referring to that at all, so I don't necessarily ah. remember who voted for what. But uh, The <sighs> Shadow was a movie in 1933, 1937, 1954, 1994, 1956, 2009, 2013.
0: 2009? 19...
1: Uh, yeah, it's a 2009 film starring Nasser Khan.
0: Well, oh, I'm going with the 1994 one. <laughs> I don't know all these other ones because the people alone that are in this movie. So you're movie going with the just...
2: Alec Baldwin well, version. Well, oh yeah. I, I have a feeling that Bill and I are going to really gush about this. So I, I first I want to hear your opinion, Paul. What do you think of the Shadow? Uh, I'm not going to gush about it because honestly, I
1: saw it whatever it was, uh, 20 years ago or so, and I have very little memory of it. Oh, I so, quote this movie. So I, I almost yeah, quote I with it too. as being somewhat forgettable. Mm.
2: For I, me, it I was. Quote this one, I quote this one quite regularly myself. Most frequently when my wife and I drive up to Sanford to get our groceries, the exit that we get off, there's a, a Walmart super center there where we do our grocery shopping, and it's Reinhardt Road. And every my time I say, Lane. Reinhardt <laughs> Lane. And my wife's what I do. like, what <laughs> the hell is that from? It's from The Shadow. I love this movie, but I'm going to let go, go first, I'm gloating about this. And then what's the
0: answer to that? When you say yes, Reinhardt Lane? Yes, my con. Exactly, because I do that. I'll go, Reinhardt Lane. Because I worked with a guy named Troy Reinhardt. <laughs> <laughs> and he, I would go, Troy Reinhardt. He's like, why do you keep doing that? I I keep saying, yes, my con. You're supposed to say that.
2: I keep thinking about writing to uh, the city of Sanford and petitioning them to change Reinhardt Road to Reinhardt Lane (laughs) just to make me happy. I mean, it's got Ian McKellen, Peter Boyle, Tim Curry, Jonathan Winters. Mm -hmm. just
0: so many good people in this. Uh, James Hong. Um... uh, the knife that is that is used that uh, Lamont Cranston has the to Irvine? fight is it, uh, it is the same knife that's used in uh, the Golden Child? It, it's the same prop knife. <laughs> um, the music, the music is f- for me is the big thing because Jerry it's Jerry Goldsmith. Gold- yeah, and you can hear so many subtle, especially when there's like it, when he's in Tibet, it sounds so much like the old Star Trek series
2: the scene in the lab where they pin the the ninjas pin the shadow who at that moment is just a shadow they pin him to the wall and the Mm -hmm. music in the scene where he comes out of the wall is just it gives me chills every time love it Yeah, yeah i'm a big fan of this movie
0: yeah, there's yeah, yeah. We could go on and on. We could probably do a whole show on the shadow, but but yeah. Absolutely. No,
2: well, now point, that I know at you, at some like point it maybe that's
1: something I'll do. rewatch, and maybe we'll do an Is it Jaws on it at some point?
2: Yeah, now that I know that uh, that Bill's just as big a fan as I am about it, we, we will definitely have to do an episode. I know Michael Bailey was itching to do an episode on this uh, once. We talked a lot about it and then never did it, but we'll we we'll have to. Because yeah, I could I could gosh. Well, the big thing with this too is when I first got into um surround sound like when sa- surround sound started to become a thing you know with home theater and all that in the early 90s or at least for me in the early 90s when I was working in video this was one of those movies I would direct people to because there's several scenes where you know Alec Baldwin's got that great voice anyway so for him mm-hmm. to be the shadow and there's a lot of scenes where it's just his voice all when he's over on the, the room. when he's on on the bridge on the bridge yeah and we used to use that scene um, you guys remember laser, <laughs> the big laser discs? Mm-hmm. We had a Laserdisc player um, in one of the video stores I worked in, and we used to use that opening bridge scene of the shadow on Laserdisc to demonstrate surround sound, and it's one of the best scenes because Alec Baldwin's shadow voice is awesome, and it's all around you in that scene. And it's really cool because it's part of the dialogue is Alec Baldwin saying all around you and as he says that one line it literally goes like to every different speaker in what at the time was like 5.1 and it's just it was really cool and uh yeah i i'm a big fan of that movie i you know if this was my personal list this was one that would uh it didn't make my top 10 although i seriously considered it it would definitely be in like my top probably 20 um, I'd like to see it higher on the list, but I'm really glad it made the list at all because, yeah, this is a fantastic movie that I think just doesn't get the love that it should. Well, well you can with, with Bill
1: copping to put it on, he's the guy you have to thank for it being on at all. <laughs> Go ahead. Thank Bill.
0: <laughs> thank you, Bill.
1: Yes, my con. <laughs> so next on our list is one I have seen, Batman Under the Red Hood, another animated feature. And the thing I remember about this was I felt it was a little just different. I'm not going to say bad, but different as far as the choices they made for the voice actors. They had Bruce Greenwood as Bruce Wayne and Batman, and I thought that was a good choice. I thought he yeah. he, he kind of did the older beleaguered Batman a little well. Yeah. And it was, you know, it was different from what we were getting with Batman the animated series obviously, but I thought it was good uh john dimaggio as the joker was the choice that really kind of made me scratch my head i, I he's, he's the
0: voice of bender isn't he is he
1: yeah I, I couldn't I have to, think I, so
0: i'm not sure he uh i haven't seen this because i'm 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 oh, way behind i'm way behind on dc animated movies
2: yeah I've he just, never just, is bender. There's a, there's a lot of them that are easily dismissed and forgettable. This one's not, though. This one is right up there um, with something like Mask of the Phantasm. This is a damn good one. Yeah, I agree. Um, and I think, I think it's
1: shortly after this one. Not that they became bad, but I think you hit on it when you said they are a little forgettable. Um, yeah. they're, they're entertaining to watch, but you watch them and they're done and, and you just move on and you don't even think about them anymore. This one had a little gravitas to it. Yeah. Uh, again like I said I wasn't crazy about John DiMaggio as the Joker and yeah I just took a quick look he, he is the voice of Bender which is very very different from the way he did the Joker uh, he, he did the Joker you know very gravelly and it didn't have that, that like kind of that whimsy the way that Mark Hamill's Joker does and not everybody who does the Joker should be doing an imitation of Mark Hamill doing the Joker but that kind of is the definitive voice for him I think at this point same way kevin conroy is a definitive voice for batman but i thought bruce greenwood did a kind of did it differently and still did a a fine job with it uh john dimaggio like i said he took me out of the movie a little bit and that was the, the biggest negative i had but no, otherwise I, I... otherwise i think this is really solid
2: I share the same criticism. My only problem, my sole problem with this movie was the Joker, which I'm sick to death of the Joker at this point anyway. But if you're going to give me the Joker, um, then give me the Joker. And the version he was doing was very strange. And I didn't like the – it had a – like a – and I don't know if it was – I honestly couldn't tell if it was purposeful, if it, if they were trying to be sly with it. I really couldn't tell, but it, it had a real uh, strange like homosexual quality to it. Like He was constantly like flirty with Batman and all, and I, I just didn't quite get what the hell they were going for with that. It, it was kind of off-putting to me, because that's just not how I see the Joker, and that's not how I see their relationship. Uh, I see it more as a battle of of wits and wills uh, as opposed to some, you know, sexual tension thing between the two of them. But other than that, I think this was top notch. Uh, I, I mean, you know, I'm a sucker for the whole Jason Todd story anyway, and that's pretty much what this is. And I liked this because this was doing the the return of Jason Todd without having to go through the hush storyline and everything, which I, I don't think very much of. And also more importantly, with giving a more legit reason for <clears throat> pardon me, for the resurrection of Jason other than Superboy Prime punched reality, <laughs> which was just <laughs> stupid. You know, this this actually gave an explanation for how he was back that I really bought into. But I mean just expertly uh, voice acted, really good score. Uh, this is actually one that uh, that is uh, in my playlist right now. Uh, really, really good movie. I enjoyed this one a lot. So yeah. yeah, I'm glad to see this one on the list too. I agree.
1: I agree. I think it's you say top notch. I'm I'm with you. You know, again, it's something that's been coming up frequently with me lately. Just because we have a criticism of something, doesn't necessarily mean we don't like it. It's just looking at things through it with a critical eye. So the fact that I wasn't crazy about the Joker wasn't enough to take away from the rest of the movie and make it enjoyable. Right. Yeah. Moving on along on the list, number 85, Battle Royale. If I'm remembering right, and i got to look this up quickly as we're talking about it, I think... I think
0: this is our first manga entry.
1: Wasn't this uh, the uh, supposed source for The Hunger Games? Uh, you know,
2: that's you could, could say that. Yeah, that's what I was thinking. This this tickled my brain only because I remember Chris Honeywell talking about this at one point, and I remember him describing. It, and I was thinking, and this sounded to me a lot like the Hunger Games. So yeah, I think we are talking about the same movie. Although I thought it was live action, I didn't realize. Well,
0: this it was is this is live li- live action, but I think it was oh, okay. a Japanese manga first, which would be based on the con- would well, be how an, based According
1: to Wikipedia, it says a two thousand Japanese action film. Adapted from the 1999 novel of the same name.
0: Hmm. Uh,
1: I'm looking to see if there's any sort of comic uh, connection here, because it's possible I'm thinking, you know, that I'm looking at the wrong battle royal then. (laughs) Home media, Critical reception. Legacy. Influence, sequel, American TV series? I'm not sure. I, I, if if whoever put in Battle Royal on the list is aware of a comic book version of it, uh, let us know. And if it's on here because you just felt it was comic booky y in the way it was done, that's fine. Again, it's always your choice as to why it goes on. Uh, I'm just not finding a comic book release, and I'm just curious if there is a... Uh,
0: I would think the best person to ask for this would be um, Luke, Jack, and Eddie.
1: Well, the best person to ask, and I don't know off the top of my head because, like I said, I didn't keep track for purposes of the show, uh, the best person well, to ask is the person, person who put it on the list. Yeah. On the list. But, uh, yeah, I mean, the biggest thing I, I know I always heard about this was that it was the inspiration for The Hunger Games. Beyond that, I really don't know a lot of
2: it, novel. The novel was adapted into a manga, so maybe that's... Oh, is that is that... Where um, you, Where yeah. are you getting that? Wikipedia.
1: Okay, I must have missed that spot. All right, so there is a a manga version of it, so it certainly then qualifies.
0: And we all know what Arnold Schwarzenegger had to say about The Hunger Games.
1: F.U. Hunger Games.
0: F.U. The Hunger Games. (laughs) Because he did it
1: first in... What movie was that?
0: The Running Man.
1: Oh, yeah. I think yeah. there was a commentary about that in the network
0: i think four guys got together and did a commentary on that maybe
1: hmm. well, we'd have to see next in the series of movies that i'm really not familiar with is a movie called
2: black mask
0: anybody got any now, is, uh... That, uh, is, is that is that, that the batman last... villain yeah that's what i was thinking it's the first thing i thought but i guess that's not the case huh well it appears it is a Oh, it's the Jet Li one. Like, okay, a yeah. Jet Li movie. Uh, I think I have seen part of that. film is an
1: adapted version of the 1992 Manhua Black Mask by Lee Chai Tak.
2: Manhua, what?
1: It's M A N H U A. I'm not yeah, sure Man-whore. how that's pronounced. Manhua. You don't make fun of Black Mask. <laughs> or the
2: chant, come and kick your ass. Is it, isn't, a, isn't a man who is the same thing as a gigolo? You know, I'm just reminded that the black mask is in Batman Under the Red Hood. That must be why yes. I was thinking
1: about that. Yeah, is. he's. Yeah. But that, but not I, but that has nothing to do with this. But it should. <laughs> I will. Well, then I'd have a little bit more familiarity with it at
0: least. Right. <laughs> black mask with your Asian boy smile. Oh,
2: wait, that's black velvet. No, sorry, I don't know where I, I got I got nothing on this one. I have no idea what the hell that is.
0: Well the survivor of a super soldier project must fight his former comrades as a masked hero. So he's he's the uh, he's Captain China. Yes. Boomerang. <laughs> Captain Boomerang. <laughs> so,
1: Lawrence, Van Gelder of, Lawrence Van Gelder of the New York Times called it long on flying Van bodies, bullets and blood, short on credibility. Credibility is not necessarily a prerequisite say, to my enjoying a movie. Did you just I say mean, Van Gelder?
2: Good. Shoulder.
1: Yes, Lawrence Van Gelder. <laughs> I, I didn't make the connection until you just pointed Black-esque. it out.
2: Black no. mask! Neutralizer!
1: Okay, m- m- moving m- right moving along sick. again.
2: <laughs>
0: <laughs> the next movie on our list is Danger Diabolique. I bet that has uh, John Philip Law in it. I, that, I think, was the la- one of the last... Uh, m- movies Mystery Science Theater did was Danger Diabolique.
1: Well, it is a 1968 Italian-French action film directed by Mario Bava, based on the Italian comic character Diabolique. The film is about a criminal named Diabolique, played by John Philip Law, who plans large-scale <laughs> heists for his I'm girlfriend. I'm such a loser.
0: I've seen, I know this, and I've seen this. Diabolik is trailed in pursuit... From, by Inspector Clouseau,
1: no Jinko, who blackmails the gangster Ralph Valmont into catching Diabolique for him.
0: John Phillips Law's big thing is always his eyes, and, it, and it's so highlighted in this movie because all you see is his eyes. I thought he was uh, big John, on like on big on marches and stuff. No, it's John Phillips' Sousa. Oh, well, excuse me. Yeah, he was in the Golden Voyage of Sinbad. He was in Barbarella. You. You, I know you've seen John Philip Law. You just didn't realize who you were seeing. I was unaware of my John Philip ca- Law. Not that did you care. I, however, this did not make my list, but I still like uh, John Philip Law, and I like uh, I like his movies. You like a lot of stuff. Like a lot of stuff.
1: Next one, <laughs> next one, we should be able to get some commentary on. I know we've all three seen the 2005 Fantastic Four movie. Now, to me, the big criticism on this movie that I have is not that they changed the origin. It is really comes down to the casting of Doctor Doom.
0: <laughs> Richard, no, <laughs> oh, sorry, I don't think he sounded like that. But that's besides the point. He might as well sounded like that. At least when he changed, they could have modulated his freaking voice. Yeah, I agree. But I mean,
1: if 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 you eliminated that casting. I kind of like this. Movie. Actually, I
0: had no problem with him uh, prior to becoming Doom. After he became Doom, they sh- do Doom, Doom. Doom. They should have modulated his voice because he kept the same voice. Doctor Doom should have a metallic sounding voice. No,
1: but see, I I think I think Doctor Doom. You know, we talked about you know casting people different in the movies than they are in the comics. To me, Doctor Doom needs to be Eastern European. He needs to have that Eastern European accent. It doesn't have to be really, really pronounced, but it needs to be there at least subtly. He shouldn't be he shouldn't be just like a, an American yuppie. Which is the way he was portrayed in this movie. And that's the big problem I have with it. But other than that, I liked the way Chris Evans played the the Human Torch. I thought uh, Ian Grofeld looked like looked a part of Reed Richards. Uh, I didn't mind, uh, you know, the non-CGI thing. Jessica Alba, to me, I could have taken her or leave to, left her in this movie. I mean, she's really, really pretty. But other than that, I didn't think she would bring. She brought
0: a lot to the role. Mm. But I, I liked thought, uh, I I, thought, uh, Ma, 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 Michael Chiklis.
1: Yeah, well, like I said, I was going with the, the thing in the costume instead of the uh, CGI on that. Uh, I'm trying to remember. I thought i thought that the score on this was decent if i remember right scott do you have any memory of the score on this
2: it is it's one of those scores that works much better in the actual movie than it does as a standalone album um i have uh the score to both this and the sequel um the sequel which i greatly prefer to this movie and is sadly not on the list which breaks my heart um but anyway um it's one of those ones I want to love and I only just like because it's kind of a boring listen away from the movie. But in the movie, it really works. Um, there's a track. It's the sequence of the movie where, where Johnny, they, he and Sue see something happen. I forget what. They see an explosion or something. And he decides, all right, it's now or never. And he runs and he jumps off the side of the Baxter building. And he's falling, you know, pretty much to his death. And he keeps going, come on, come on, come on. And then he goes, flame on, just before he's about to hit. And becomes, like, fully the torch for the first time and flies. That track is great. And that's that's really the one moment in the score that really lives up to the potential of the composer, who is uh, John Ottman, who did... Um, Superman Returns. He did um, several of the X Men movies. He, he's done a number of superhero scores, and you know when he's on, he's really on. And unfortunately, with the first Fantastic Four movie, I didn't feel like he was fully on. the The theme of the Fantastic Four is pretty good, and there's a couple moments in the in the score, but overall, it's it's kind of bland. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's kind of my overall feeling for the whole movie. I like this movie. But I want to love this movie, especially because I, I got the feeling that they were really trying to go with the best versions of the FF, you know, taking from, of course, the Lee and Kirby stuff, the John Byrne stuff, and a couple other things, and they throw all that together, and they've got a pretty good cast and everything, but it's it's like they, they have all this, and they... It's like not even so much that they don't know what to do with it. It's like they couldn't afford to do anything big with it. You know, it, it feels like a made-for-TV movie, unfortunately. And that's kind of my problem with it is it's just here you have one of the great superhero families and, and you know, very much cosmically based, and they don't really do anything all that awesome i mean the big thing with doom and everything is revolved in like the last what like seven minutes of the movie they they punch him they they set him on fire and that's it it's over and it's like wow that was a whole lot of build up for like not a lot of payoff um so again i like i like the next one so much better um and i'm really kind of surprised not to see that one on the list And uh, for that matter, I kind of like the Corman one better than this, to be honest with you. And that one's not on the list either, which is, again, very surprising, given some of the things that did make the list.
1: I would have been surprised to see the Corman one on the list, honestly. Really? Yeah, I I didn't expect that to be in anybody's top ten of all time.
2: Now, there are movies,
1: as you said, there are movies here that may surprise me that they're in people's top tens. But the Corman one would be among those that surprised me then.
2: Yeah, I, I'm yeah. I'm forgetting how the list was put together. That it was yeah top tens. Yeah, this, I would, yeah, this I, isn't this, this isn't
1: somebody's 82nd favorite. Even though right. it's 82nd right. on the list, this isn't somebody's top ten.
2: But don't get me wrong. I, I I do like the movie, and I think it has more working for it than against it. Um, I I just think the two things that that hurt it the most is lack of grand scale and uh, and kind of just a lackluster villain. Because, you know, when it comes to your, your comic book movies, you know, the the ones particularly that are, you know, superhero based comic book movies, you know, they're often, you know, you, they're made or broken by the villain. And in this one, unfortunately, you know, you've got one of the greatest villains of all time. And that's not exactly who came to the party with this movie. That The, the guy who was supposed to be Doom, yeah, he wasn't Doom. <laughs> and then... Yeah, and then they, you know, they he defeat him like a saint. like that. <laughs> he might as well though. Bill's right. I kind of see him that way, you know. He sounds like Wario from Mario. No, Kart. He does. <laughs> not. <laughs> <laughs> oh um, no! You No, see, I, I, I'm
1: gonna just say I I think on the origin they did kind of go for the grand scale. Right. I think it's it's when they got to the battle with Doom. They tried to go with a little psychological. Torment between him and Reed Richards, and him and the, you know him and the thing where he's playing the thing emotionally on on his wanting a cure and all of that, uh, and then the negative comes in I, again just with the casting of the actor. I think had they had the right actor in that role, they could have gone that route, but since with the actor they had, they really needed to go a little bit more bombastic with the action, and they didn't. But I still. I enjoy this one. I have no problem sitting down and watching this movie. It's, I think, the criticism is overblown. Uh, it's not, to me, it's not. You know, it's not on my list of great comic book movies, but it's a movie I enjoyed. Uh, I would say I do. I also, I agree with you that I enjoyed Rise of the Silver Surfer a little bit more. That's got its weaknesses too. Primary of which, to me, is the fact that they still went with the same characterization for Doctor Doom. It's a right. me, a Doomio. What's
2: interesting, though, is that Uh, overall, you know, uh, on a rank of uh, of one hundred, this is probably just about where this movie would place for me. Yeah, there you go.
1: That's uh, which which is interesting. Uh, The next one's for all the Gil Gil Gerard fans out there. Buck Rogers in the twenty fifth century.
0: So this was (laughs) somebody's number seven. Yes. And on there was one a commentary. List. There
1: was a commentary on the list saying that for this person, it was a theatrical re- release that they saw, and that's why they felt it applied to the list.
2: Yeah, hmm. yeah, I saw it at the drive-in.
1: Did you? Okay. It's...
2: Yeah, I did. Yeah. I didn't this realize. Interesting...
1: I didn't realize it was a widespread theatrical release.
2: Yeah, uh, I remember. You know, this one and. Um... God, they might have been a double bill for all I remember, but I, I know I saw this one Battlestar and Galactica. Battlestar Galactica uh, at the drive-in as well. Yeah, I saw
0: Battlestar Galactica in the theater, but I didn't see Buck Rogers in the theater. But I remember my grandmother taking me to see Battlestar Galactica.
2: I always remember going to see this at the drive-in because there's that one part where uh, Buck goes to the cemetery to try to find what yeah. happened to his family. And it's just, you know, just this ratty, overgrown old... That's not in the TV one? Uh, I, don't, I don't know. But I know that in the no. in, in the movie, and I'm not sure if, if they played this when they played it on TV. I want to say they cut the line when they played it on TV. But in the, you know, watching it, you know, on the big screen, they're walking through that cemetery... And Tweaky goes, he goes, beady, 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 goes. Come on, Buck, I'm freezing my ball bearings off. And for some reason, my father <laughs> thought that was the funniest lot. He just roared over that. So I always remember that for some stupid reason. I always remember that one part. Um, but yeah, I you know line. this. I watched this not long ago. Uh, you know, rewatched it, and you know, the special effects aren't the greatest, and they weren't the greatest then either. But it, you know, story-wise, this, this reminded me a lot of, like, classic Star Trek, because it's one of those examples of, you know, great writing can can really kind of make up for, you know, shoddy effects. And unfortunately, you know, they didn't have the, the biggest budget with this, and it was, it was very much made in that era of, okay, Star Wars is huge, let's just get more space stuff out there. And so they threw this out there. But... You know, it, it was very well written. It was very well acted. You know, Gil Gerard is uh, is very likable as Buck. You had um, What's-Her-Name as... Um...
0: <gasps> what do you mean, What's-Her-Name? It's Aaron yeah. Gray. Yeah,
2: Aaron Gray. I God.
0: Aaron we were Gray. at a convention <laughs> together with her. We were in the same room with her.
2: <laughs> yeah, I know. <laughs> she touched me. Um, oh, but it, it was... I, I liked it. I, I think it still holds up pretty good. Okay, I still to haven't watched
1: the,
0: that spot. Number
1: 80 on our list, Ghost World, <laughs> which is a 2001 movie based on the comic book of the same name, starring Thora Birch and
0: Scarlett Johansson. I have not seen this. I was thinking... Steve Buscemi in it, too.
2: I was thinking, what, what's the one with um, Kim Basinger in it? Cool World. Cool. That's what I was thinking. Okay, all right. Ghost, I have an animated ghost. character that's sex yeah. with Brad Pitt. Yeah, that's what I thought this was, in which case I was going to be like, what? So I, I have no What is Ghost World? I have no idea what that is. It is
1: a 2001 comedy drama based on a comic book of the same name. <laughs> okay. said, starring Thora Birch and Scarlett Johansson. Wow, that sounds uh, like
0: what you
2: just said. <laughs> <laughs> I think we just went back in time. Say that uh, one more time. Maybe I'll be listening this time. Yeah, okay. Uh, <laughs> it
1: uh, apparently has a 92% rating on Rotten Tomatoes and was given four stars by Roger, e- Roger Ebert, who said, I wanted to hug this movie.
2: So, ah, Isn't that That's cute? both sweet and disturbing at the same time. <laughs> uh, yes,
1: it is. I, I can tell you I never saw this so I don't really know much about it it had a limited commercial theatrical run in the United States apparently its commercial success was minimal and then apparently it was discovered on home video by many people interesting and yet not so interesting that we will keep discussing it the next (laughs) movie on the list is a history
2: of
0: violence I have not seen this either but it sounds interesting
2: I watched the history of violins and it was really, really boring. Well this this was uh this was also, Aragorn.
1: This was a graphic oh. novel starring Aragorn. Viggo Mortensen. <laughs> Vigo Mortensen.
2: Vigo, you are like the buzzing of flies, to And I've been waiting all night all day to say that. <laughs>
1: My my understanding, and again, sadly, this is another one I haven't seen. But uh, my understanding is that the graphic novel is truly graphic, uh, and that it it, it was a oh, very disturbing, be... very, uh, very adult novel. Oh yeah. Keep and talking. And that it was, uh, let's see, who's it by? It's written by John John Wagner and illustrated by Vincent Locke. Originally published in 1997 by Paradox press and later by vertigo so i did get a, a little bit more of a wider release through the dc uh, imprint uh film adaptation was by david cronenberg starred vigo mortensen while the first half of the film is faith- faithful to the source the remainder of the film takes many liberties with the story some changes <laughs> are relatively minor in the film the main character's name is tom Stahl. He lives in Indiana, and the gangsters pursuing him are from a Philadelphia-based Irish mob. The main character's brother, played by William Hurt, bears no resemblance to the corresponding character in the graphic novel.
0: Hey, because you begotten, are we going to get you now, boy?
1: (laughs) Although (laughs) criticized for its graphic violence, the film's reviews were largely favorable, and it garnered recognition at the Cannes Film Festival, as well as Ah! Academy Academy Award nominations for Hurt, Best performance by an actor in a supporting role. And writer jo- Josh Olsen. Best writing, screenplay based on material previs- previously produced or published.
0: You're going to be putting a cap in your arse. <laughs> so, next movie is... <laughs> next,
1: movie, next movie introduced us to the lovely Helen Slater. Supergirl. Mm. And I've been talking with my Superman review team of myself, Michael Bailey, Bob Fisher, and Andrew Leyland about doing a review of this movie.
0: Wait, 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 what now?
2: Superman well,
1: review team? Well, we, we did... A, that, <laughs> that particular group, we did the uh, episode of, uh, views, of a, views from Longbox on the Superman TV series, Adventures of Superman. Yeah. And we also did an, an in-depth review of uh, Man of Steel. So we've talked yeah, about getting together to, to do more Superman-related film reviews.
0: Including Uh Supergirl and possibly Batman D. I remember Supergirl
2: when it was on cable and uh, Helen Slater was cute. Whoever's behind that thing, if you guys do the Reeve movies and I don't get an invite, you're all dead to me.
1: (laughs) I can live with that.
2: You can live with that. (laughs) (laughs) So this was
1: directed by Janelle Swarzak. Swork. <laughs> Written by David Odell, uh, and it's you know the
2: uh, Ilya Salkind the, part of that. That. Hmm? that director did something else. I'm trying to remember. Was it was it Glory? Maybe. Uh, Hold on, I'll look it up his for you. Fl- his films he did include... somewhere in time. Jaws 2. That's right, somewhere that's what it
0: was. And Jaws 2. And Santa Claus
2: the movie. Eh. Eh.
1: Uh, The film was released in the United Kingdom July 19th, 1984 and failed to impress critics and audiences alike. Dunaway and O'Toole earned Golden Raspberry Award nominations for Worst Actress and Worst Actor respectively. However, Slater was nominated for a Saturn Award for Best Actress. The film's failure ultimately led the Salkines to sell, to sell the rights uh, of the Superman films to canon films in 1986.
2: I haven't watched this in years. So, my, uh, my buddy Mark uh, Buttrick, very first guest on uh, Two True Freaks, going way on back, uh, he actually gave me a supergirl, it was a two DVD set that he got from God knows where. I, I think this might be the the default standard Supergirl on DVD set now, but at the time, I think it was an import or he got it from somewhere, I'm not sure. And on that set, there's actually three different versions of the movie. There's like the theatrical version. There's another version with like extra stuff, and then there's I think like an international version or something like that. I, I forget which one of the two versions with the extra stuff is the really good one, but believe it or not, there is a really good one. the The actual theatrical one, eh, it kind of sucks, <laughs> but the one with all the extra bonus stuff and everything kind of. Uh, it kind of fleshes out the story more and uh, and it makes a little more sense out of it. Much like, uh, say, like Superman 4. If you ever see this, the version of Superman 4 that puts most everything back in except for the first Nuclear Man, which is just that's a god awful scene that I'm glad was cut. That It makes a little more sense out of that movie, too, which strangely is another one that didn't make the list. But. Yeah, you know, I can see this one making somebody's list because this movie it did have a lot going for. It. Again, I think that this one, much like uh, Fantastic Four two thousand five, I think the big problem with this is the villain. Um,
1: yeah, I, just I agree.
2: just think that the villain yeah. is all that great, but everything else is is pretty interesting because we get mm-hmm. a, you know, we get some world building of kind of the Superman universe and everything. We get a whole different. Uh, side of Krypton. Um, we get to see a little bit more uh, of their society and all that. And I really like that she actually goes to the Phantom Zone. So we finally get to see kind of how the fan- you know, the movie version of the Phantom Zone worked beyond just the big, you know, mirror, you know, big pane of glass that they get trapped in kind of thing. She actually goes into that world. Um but that, all that said, I haven't seen this in quite a long time myself, so I'm not sure how it would hold up, you know, these days in subsequent viewings. But the last time I watched that full version with all the extra stuff put back into it, um, I remember walking away going, okay, that's a lot better movie that, you know, in that version. Um, but the big takeaway, you know, these days for me with this is again, you know, the score, Jerry Goldsmith. This this is actually a really, really good Jerry Goldsmith score. Uh, He did a a really good job on this one. The other thing I think that really hurt this movie was that um, Chris Reed wouldn't come out to play on this one. You know, they just they didn't get Superman, and
0: you know Superman could
2: have gotten a cameo out of him. It would have. It would have
1: increased the buzz for the movie.
0: Oh, absolutely! Ah, Superman won't come out and play.
1: (laughs) But I thought thought Helen Slater was engaging in the role. I thought she was. You know, I I think she was actually an example of good casting. Yeah. That
2: scene where she first lands and first gains the ability to fly before she zips off and it becomes all just screen Isn't projection. Isn't that where she comes behind. out of the water? Yeah. But, you know, where she's just, like, lightly, like... Oh, like that's, yeah, floating she's floating around. It just, that's beautiful. I mean, this just the way it's filmed, her earnestness, and the score all work together in that scene. It looks really good. And then, unfortunately, she streaks off, and then it becomes like this montage of different, like, it's basically like she's flying in front of, like, Soren, You know, because it's just all these different scenes playing behind her, and it just doesn't look all that good. Bit of trivia, same exact scenes in the same exact order in the flying scene between Lois and Superman and Superman 4. <laughs> so they just reused that. Mm-hmm. You know the entire piece of of her flight montage in that movie later on, but uh, but yeah, you know it does have a lot of things working for it. The you know overall the effects are pretty good. It's I think it's really just those two big things. It's it's you know lack of Superman and uh, lack of a good villain. Yeah,
1: I, I tend to agree with you, and based on my memory of the movie. Next on our list is another one based on a comic strip. And it would be a Charlie Brown Christmas. Uh, I have to say, for me, uh, I, I don't know if I would have put this as my as a comic book, you know, movie personally. Uh, but again, anybody's choice is their choice. That's fine. Uh, so if I'm going to look at it critically, not so much as to whether it belongs on the list, but just as to what it is. For me, it was a perennial favorite and remains so. That every year, it's a movie I want to watch. I think it is an example of one of the best adaptations of a comic strip to an animated you know uh, action version. Uh, I think the voice characterization is phenomenal and as I understand it and I recall it was quite controversial at the time because they actually had Young children doing the voices, which was not something that they generally did at that time. I think, mm. if my memory is correct, I think this is like 1965. I could be off on the year. Certainly in that area.
2: I know it's um, older than me. That's all I know.
1: And uh, so, you know, I, I would have been very young when this first came out, and I don't know if I saw it in the beginning. You know, the first couple of years it was on, because I would have been very, very young. But certainly once I was old enough to watch something like this, this became uh, an annual tradition for me. And, uh, you know, every year I looked forward to seeing it. And to this day, I think, I don't think a Christmas season has gone by that I haven't watched this movie or this
0: short. So, you're, so you've so you never seen this special edition of that where Linus loses his shit and starts whipping his blanket around, taking people's heads off? and.
1: <laughs> well, I, I did, but I prefer the original.
0: Oh, okay. Oh yeah, I've seen seen that many many a Christmas, many a years. Christmas is <laughs> year. Well, that's, that's the that's the other aspect. I, I don't know too. the words, so I'll just. Christmas time is alone. here. <laughs> but uh, that's that's the other aspect. The, the, the
1: music in this, uh, in, in this short are, are, is phenomenal, actually.
0: Mm-hmm. Uh, My daughter Christ- has the uh, she has the, the she has the tree in her room. Yeah, we, I, I, have one, of, I have out one. We one that Christmas. we put
1: out at Christmas
0: time. Yeah.
1: Uh but it's also you know the uh the song Linus and Lucy originated here. And right. that's the one that everybody knows, you know, dun, 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 dun,
0: dun, dun. And uh, you know that that's the the most famous. That's always the peanuts traveling music when they're going from place to place. <laughs> yeah, that's, that's
1: it, I, I think that song is phenomenal. Arnold should sing that. So, again, well, I don't know if this would fit my own personal definition of a comic book movie. I'm happy to see it on here because it is something that I love. So I'll go. With, I'll leave it at that. Next on the list, and the final one for this episode of Back to the Bins, is the 1994 documentary Crumb. Which I've, since 1994, so 22 years, I've been hearing about how good this is, and I still haven't seen it. Have either of you gentlemen seen it?
0: No. Nah. I have not.
1: It, it actually stars I guess stars everybody plays themselves, Robert Crumb.
0: says. Yeah. So, um, oh. So.
1: so, it was uh, met with wide acclaim from critics, earning a 95% rating on Rotten Tomatoes. Gene Siskel rated Crumb as the best film of the year. Roger Ebert gave the film four out of four stars, writing that Crumb is a film that gives new meaning to the notion of art as therapy. In the Washington Post, DeSanne Howe's review was similarly positive. The San Francisco Chronicle rated the film as wild applause as critic Edward Guthman called the film one of, one of the most provocative, haunting documentaries of the last decade. He also noted that Robert Crumb and wife Aileen had drawn a scornful cartoon about the film in The New Yorker. Interesting. Uh, and like I said, I've been hearing positive things about this for over 20 years, and I'm not quite sure why I haven't seen it with all, all that I've heard about it. So, uh, maybe this list is going to inspire me to check that out. And that'll be it for our first 25 entries on the list. Uh, I'd be interested in hearing people agree with films on the list, if people disagree with films on the list, if people have any insight that we missed on some of the films on the list, uh, and if people disagree with what we've said about any of them. So I'm I'm interested in hearing, hearing opinions on this. Uh, I don't know if we're going to be back next time with the next 25 or if it's going to be done piecemeal. I'm not sure. Me and me and the
0: boys will discuss that and we'll figure it out. Well, should we maybe bust out a quick email or two? If you like. I, I have one ready. You go, girl. If you... And it comes from our regular emailer trying to get... It... Another one up on Kirk Greenfield. We have Mr. Russell Bragg writes to us. Subject, Back to the Bins 249, Little Ernie Chan and the Chan Clan. Hello, fellows. Stellar episode as usual. It started out even wackier than usual, and I loved it. I vaguely remember Charlie Chan and the Chan Clan. I do remember them more than that. Uh, uh, I do remember them more in that Harvey Birdman episode, though. That was a riot. Many of the cartoons we loved as kids seem to only have a few episodes, but yes, we do remember them having a whole bunch more. Speed Buggy, one of my favorites. I thought it ran for a couple of years. It only had 16 episodes. Wow, it only had 16 episodes? See, I thought it had more than that, too. Hong but Kong, the Jetsons. Food.
2: The Jetsons only had uh, one season's worth of episodes as well. What? I no. that it no. ran for like five years. Or, or, you Are know, you like- kidding me? Yeah, it has the, to have more than one season. No, uh, you look up the Jetsons sometimes, and, and the original Jetsons is only—I want to say it's like fifteen episodes or something like that. It's not very many at all.
0: Wow, Hong Kong Fui another favorite. I thought ran forever. Only had sixteen episodes, and only lasted three months. I mean, I remember seeing them when they came out. Who? Who's this letter from? From Russell.
2: Oh, from Russell. Okay.
0: Yeah, I have both the complete series on TV on on DVD. Funny how your, our young minds play tricks on us. Well, let's get to the comics. I only had Paul's book, sort of. Secret Society of Supervillains number 13. I don't have the actual book, but the Secret Society of Supervillains volume number 2 hardcover. Great comic. As was Scott's Inhumans number 1. It has always been hard for me to get into Marvel Comics. I don't know why. I've always loved the Hulk, and I'm going to try... And go through his history of comics. And thanks to Paul's DVD ROM gift, plug plug for Paul. I can. I heard Scott's call out for comic suggestions. If you're looking for a story arc, I wouldn't mind hearing your take on the death of Iris Allen, Flash two seventy five to two eighty four. Uh, as for individual I think books, we I did love two seventy five. Didn't we, mm-hmm. Bill? Didn't we do that one episode? There was something we did where. The Flash he, thought somebody was was that where the Flash was drugged? Yeah.
1: And he, he they killed Iris and at the end of it they, they said oh one of them's her. dead and one's barely alive. And he thought they that he thought that they thought he was the dead one. Meanwhile they were they were right all along. They were talking about Iris being dead.
0: I know that you know that I know. Well, go ahead, keep going. No you know, one I, thing
2: I, I am noticing though is that there has been uh some call lately for story arcs have you noticed the we, mm-hmm. we are getting some call for that as opposed to just you know the standard format and I kind of like that idea of maybe we well should, I think we've we've arcs. only done that how many times have we done I, I, outside of Avengers spotlight
0: I can only think of one time that we've done a story arc and that's when we covered the Wolverine 4 issue series with with uh with Chris as our guest right is, uh, is that the
1: only time we've done an arc well i mean the closest thing recently was when Scott and I did the two two issues of Justice League with the uh, with the earth three mm. and we you know we did two two different issues uh, in the same episode, two issues in a row. Mm. so that was that was kind of a story arc also. but yeah, it's not something we've done frequently but I, I'm not opposed to doing that once in a while or even you know fairly frequently. I just don't want it to be that's what we have to do
0: each time right oh no, no. I mean, maybe we could retool that again like we did for any score episode that comes out soon. We could do an arc instead of picking three books, maybe. Well,
1: that's that's effectively what we did with Wolverine, because that was a score
0: episode. Right. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. As for individual books, I'd love to hear your take on any of the DC Comics Presents issues I have already covered on my podcast. By the time you get this, I may be at issue 55, and probably by the time we actually read this, you're probably a couple more ahead. I know Scott loves Dead Man, and I'm still sorry he and I couldn't get together for that issue. But you could do. too. But you <laughs> can do DC Comics Presents 24. Whatever you decide, I will always be listening, especially if it's a crappy book. Like Paul said, you seem to have the most fun with those. Take care, and thank you for keeping me entertained. I was mowing for this one. That's not a euphemism, is it, Russell? Oh, <laughs> I'm
1: going to let you know the a secret. <laughs> I just say we enjoy the crappy ones so that Scott doesn't get mad because we do all the good ones when he's not here.
0: Yeah, shh. He's right here. Be quiet. When are you going
1: to Bragg, be here again, Clarks- Scott? I want to do a good
0: book.
2: <laughs> You're an ass. <laughs> Russell
0: Bragg, Clarksburg, West Virginia. Host of the DC Comics Presents show. And no... Russell, he was not saying you were an ass. I think that was directed at my co-host. I'm not
1: sure. When, with Scott, who knows? He's, he's always <laughs> a wild one.
0: <laughs> we got time for one more, or is that all we want to do?
1: Uh, I don't know. Scott, you want to read one?
2: One more. One more.
1: Uh, Scott's going to read one. I'm not going to read one. I don't
2: have the email open. I knew you wouldn't have it open. You. And I'm the ass. Yeah, okay. Well, I didn't know we were going to read emails. Otherwise, I would have one open, but...
1: They'll I do not know what kind we are going to either, and
2: yet I have it open. So I guess
1: I'll read it. Go ahead. <laughs> and it's again from Russell Bragg. To, uh, subject is Back to the Bins 248, Score Suicide Squad. Hello, fellows. Great episode as per usual. I would never in a million years think I would hear Arnold singing Air Supply. I'm going to interrupt you right there. You've heard Bill enough. You should expect Arnold <laughs> to be singing Air Supply. <laughs> that was awesome i love air supply grew up listening to them however you should never listen to them when you are lonely it will tear your heart out loved remembering about the sunny and share show i remember it fondly i didn't care much for their separate shows i remembered many of the duo variety shows you brought up sunny and share donnie and marie the captain and Tennille. do you remember the bionic watermelon skits i honestly don't no there was another that we watched that you didn't mention, Shields and Yarnell. I remember them. They were oh, like yeah. M- they were like mimes. Yeah. I don't know if you remember them, but they were a husband and white duo pretty much doing robotic-type movements through mime or dance. But I enjoyed reminiscing about those good old shows. Thanks. My wife and I will not be seeing this movie either. <clears throat> like Paul, we'll watch it free on television. As it turns out, I ended up going to the movies. I'm <laughs> sorry. Uh, I agree with Scott about this movie's version of The Joker. I just don't get it. Yeah, that was my big, one of my biggest criticisms of the movie. I don't like the looks, mannerisms, and prob- and probably has a dumb laugh. I thought the, er,
0: <laughs> I thought oh, wait, the version
1: bad. of Warrior. The Joker in the 2004 Batman cartoon was bad, but this one takes the cake. I'm glad Scott seems to be giving the podca- getting the podcasting bug again. But for me, instead of starting a new podcast, I'd rather he continue. I've got a few things to say about Superman. I truly enjoy his chronological coverage on the Phantom Zone. I wouldn't mind new episodes of Commentary Monthly Monday or Comics Monthly Monday either. Scott also mentioned something about Legends almost being a Crisis on Infinite Earth sequel. How would that have worked? Should I I pause
2: there for you, Scott, or no? Um... I think it would have just worked in the sense that DC, you know, and crisis was, was quite a thing for them. And I think that they wanted to continue to ride that wave and they wanted to have, I, I think legends was the first time that they considered, okay, this, this multi, part you know cross company thing might become a, a regular thing that we would do every you know every year or every couple of years or whatever and you know i mean eventually they would um i think the next one was millennium i think and then from there it did become pretty much you know every year uh they would have one legends was kind Kinda one, but it, it wasn't the the same level as as Crisis was, because Crisis was in just about every book and and really tied in. I mean, there were obviously there were Legends tie in tie ins as well, but I don't remember it being quite as company wide as uh, as Crisis was. Um, as far as how is it going to work as a sequel? I don't know if it was going to be necessarily a direct sequel as in it was going to reference or continue the story of crisis necessarily. I think it was just going to be, uh, it was going to carry that tradition because it was going to be crisis of something, you know, because even crisis on infinite earths itself is a continuation of something that they started way back. You know, it was crisis, you know, on earth too, and crisis here and crisis there. And, you know, eventually crisis on infinite earths. And I think they were just going to continue that forward with, it was going to be like crisis of the soul or something like that. And then it just kind of mutated into what became legends. But beyond that, um, you know, how it tied to crisis on infinite earths. I, I honestly, I don't remember at this point. I know that there's a, uh, you know, information you can find out there on it. I think there's a write-up on it in in back issue magazine. Uh, it was one of those like tales never tales never told or whatever they call that that feature in back issue is where I was reading a lot about this not long ago.
1: All right, back to Russell's letter. On to the comics. The only book I sort of had for this episode was the comic Scott Hambone Gardner brought. I say that sort of because it's in my Legends trade paperback. Bill's book was the highlight of the episode for me with Amanda Waller, Mafia Hitman. Look at Paul there with the newest book. You mentioned Big Sir as a Suicide Squad character. Was this the same Big Sir that pulverized Flash's face during the trial of the Flash storyline? I would guess so, but I don't know for sure. Uh, if it is the same character, at least in the Bronze Age, he became a good guy and helped the Flash... I do believe he was an imbecile, and with the help of a machine Salivar had, made Big Sur intelligent. I didn't think about it until Paul mentioned it, but the only good grades you gave was for the book Scots, where the Suicide Squad didn't even appear. I wonder <laughs> what we can take from that. Oh well, they can't all be winners. Better close for now. Thank you once again for keeping me entertained. Russell Bragg, Clarksburg, West Virginia, host of the DC Comics Presents show.
0: You know, they tried that machine on me, but I didn't notice any difference. <laughs>
1: you neither did we. Huh?
0: Eh? Well, I guess with that, we'll call in the night.
2: Thank you so much for listening to our show, and we hope you'll continue to join us each and every week for more good old-fashioned comic book back-issue awesomeness you can contact back to the bins to leave feedback comments questions suggestions and criticisms via email at back at gmail.com or by joining the back to the bins group on facebook back to the bins is a proud affiliate of the two true freaks internet radio network which you may find at www.2truefreaks.com. two true freaks, is a registered trademark of Demanzo Corp of Milan, Italy, all rights reserved. Each and every month, the Two True Freaks Network produces dozens of new and exciting episodes which regularly reach tens of thousands of loyal listeners worldwide. Sponsorship and or advertising opportunities are available. Inquiries may be made via email to twotruefreaks at gmail.com. Please take a moment to stop by the two true site and check out their many other fine podcasts, won't you? Thanks, and we'll see you next week.
0: I I don't know. That's gonna see. That's the. You know, this is always the every two, every two two months I go into uh, deep evil hibernation because of work.